Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and are completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in the kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Before I even introduce you, I need to say that someone asked me yesterday, they're like, do you not just have like a preset recording (laughs) that you just play or like an intro and an outro? And I'm like, no, because that is why, because we want to hear you. So I'm about to introduce one of my friends that I grew up with. Natasha Grant was formerly McGann and her beautiful daughter, Charlie, who is sitting here on a cozy blanket beside us and will be joining us. I reached out to Natasha um, when I was actually... Uh, getting my list of guests that I wanted, uh, you know, that I felt had a story that needed to be heard. I, uh, Natasha was like on my list almost immediately. And it was because of her vulnerability with a post on Facebook quite a while ago now. It feels like it wasn't, but it feels like it was a long time ago now about secondary infertility. And I really believe uh, and I know that you'll feel the same way that this story needs to be out in the world. So Natasha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And your ho- your home is beautiful. I've been ripping around down in the West. The West is best. And, uh, you know, thank you for jumping in just because I, when I, when I reached out, um, I know that, you know, opening up about something like this is as much as you've opened up and you've spoken about it with other people, it's completely different to actually really open up to a podcast. But I know that the knowledge that you bring into your own experience is just incredible and you're so articulate about it so I can just I appreciate how you're going to be able to deliver your story and I thank you big time thanks for having me and yeah it's been um it's been almost I think a a year since we shared our uh experience I guess uh on social media Mm -hmm. and kind of put it out there that um we've been going through this we actually took a trip to Cuba and uh, just Kyle and I went to kind of recharge our batteries before we started um, our experience with IVF and mm-hmm. um, and doing the egg retrieval and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, when we got home, it was Kyle and I talked about it, and Kyle's like, you know what, we need to be open and share with people what we're going through because um, I think I've said to you like you're feeling a lot of guilt for like missing things and for um, not being as present. I think in like even your friends' lives because mm. you're going from appointment to appointment you're and, consumed yeah for and, sure you're consumed. um when people don't know why you kind of seem um like why you seem distant or why uh-huh. you seem like you're somewhere else is because mentally you are very much somewhere else yeah and um so Kyle's like you know I think we just need to share like share with our co-workers share with our friends share with our extended family it was his idea to do the post um we talked about it together it was like a share um we both were um, I talked to him about it and said, I think I'm going to share what we're going through. And he was like, I think you absolutely need to share what we're going through because, um, I think every, we just need to be a resource for people and also, uh, share our struggle and let people understand that 
-hmm. we've kind of been going through some things as a family and that um if they're going through things too like we're here for them Mm -hmm. um as well so it was definitely a joint decision Um, it was something that i absolutely would not have posted if um kyle was against it Mm -hmm. It, because i feel like you know infertility um is like that's our story together so it's Mm -hmm. something i definitely wanted him to be on board with and he he was for sure yeah you two are such i I admire that so much about the two of you that it seems like everything you do is so connected and you're just on the same page and and even you know just before he headed upstairs for his nap it's listening to him speak and be open and vulnerable about it and so open to sharing his experience i think that it's really important just to you know give a shout out and kudos to those supportive partners that can that can be open and welcome vulnerability in their lives when you're sharing a story that is as challenging and difficult and emotional as this yeah i think um i think i told you earlier like i call kyle like the grand optimist he's just mm-hmm. like uh, looks at everything with like um such like everything can have like a a, a positive side he's definitely a glass half full kind of guy mm-hmm. um but um this journey for for me and for our family it would like wouldn't have been um like I don't know I just couldn't have done it without him like I couldn't have yeah. gone through like what we went through without having that mm-hmm. um constant support and like yeah. that like person to bounce these ideas off of and mm-hmm. I know I kind of shared with you that like I feel like this sometimes your spouse gets like to deal with all your raw emotions and that can be um that can be a lot that can be really heavy Mm -hmm. um to like have to to deal with you know all of it well because you feel like i think in public you'd have to put on that brave face at all times and when you're struggling like you say you've got that that you can confide in your partner for everything right but like you say they they can also be the person that you just dump on because you want to put on that brave face in public yeah and i think that that's where like we were lucky in that sense where like I definitely had full support and like I felt fully like loved and understood and when I felt like just like dumping everything on Kyle he would be like again like that optimistic voice that would be like you know there's this may be the case but like we've got all these other positive things happening right now so like let's not just focus and dwell on the negative let's try to like Mm -hmm. see the you know find the rainbow like don't just make it all um so like so heavy because it's such a heavy topic and I feel like it's yeah. so easy to get lost in the negativity of mm-hmm. the whole process when you look at the the contrast between your first and second you know pregnancies or, or you know just getting pregnant and how quick you got pregnant with Finn that was on your honeymoon yes right and yeah. so you would think well getting pregnant a second time would be no issue so can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, what were the issues? Um, how did that come about? How did you figure this out? And yeah, just give us that timeline. So Kyle and I got married October 17th, 2015. Um, we honeymooned in Italy. Uh, we came back and found out shortly after um, in November that we were um, pregnant with Finn. Um, so I mean, I think getting pregnant and having that it was like such a whirlwind it was so amazing like we 
we were just elated and we'd just gone from like this awesome high of getting married and then when this beautiful honeymoon and then pregnant right away like the, all the stars were aligning and it was just like everything was just so amazing like so perfect we were yeah. so happy um so we have finn and we so we had finn um august 6th um 2016 and he is like just the best and we like he's just such a firecracker mm-hmm. and like the best thing that's like him and charlie are just the best things that have happened to us but like they're he's just such a like such a personality um so we had him and then we knew we wanted to have kids close together and so for kyle and i it was like when are we gonna time this like when are we gonna like when are we what season are we thinking we're gonna have yeah. our next child like what are right. we uh, what do we think early january like what like what's our plan here thinking it's going to be easy enough to just kind of pinpoint a time yeah that you can. like when should we when should we start trying like mm-hmm. to, to and i mean i talked to some of my girlfriends about that like we're like we had our kids at the same time so like i talked to my girlfriends and we we're like oh, okay like maybe we'll try again all at the same time we can have babies again at the same time it's gonna be so great and um you know, we we started trying and we're we're trying and trying and I said to Kyle like this is something's got to be wrong because we've we got pregnant right away we were on our honeymoon and now it's been six months it's been seven months it's been eight months I'm like something just seems wrong yeah. and I you know I'd started to plan like the timing and like you know ovulation um, calendars and all the stuff and I'm like you know I'm doing the um, the strips that tell you when you're ovulating and we're still not getting pregnant. So I'm thinking like something's, something's off. Um, so I talked to my family doctor and she's like, you're a pretty intuitive person. She's like, if you feel like something's off, she's like, I think I should refer you. She's like, I'd usually recommend waiting the full year. She goes, but at this point, you know, it's been eight months of you trying. Like, I think you should, I'm happy to send a requisition over. And I think you should go to the fertility clinic. If it's nothing, it's a month of monitoring then we'll just, you know, we'll just keep trying. But if it's something, then, um, like, let's just go and figure it out. Yeah. So the referral gets sent over and, like, everything in life, it's a process, right? So you're waiting to get a call from the clinic. And um, when you're wanting, um, you know, at this point, too, a couple of my, the girls that I, in my friendship group, um, are getting pregnant and, like, again with their second. And I'm kind of, like, you know, I'm supposed to be in on this. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get our referral over um, and we get a call from the coordinator at the, the clinic and they're like, okay, we're going to do a month of monitoring. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go in for our month of monitoring. And so for monitoring, they're going to typically what they do is like a sperm sample. Um, they're going to do um, some checks to see how your eggs are, um, like your quality of eggs. Um the number of eggs you have because mm-hmm. every woman's born with their eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, your Charlie's got her eggs for her life. Yeah. <laughs> so you're born with the amount of eggs that you're going to have and right. the quality of eggs you're going to have. Um, so they do monitoring for that full month. And then at that point, um, Oh, are you okay, Charlie? Would you like to go in your extra saucer? <laughs> um, so at that point, um, Okay, so at that point, yeah, they're, um, they call you back in after they've, and all these tests and stuff do take time. They take time. <laughs> oh, she's so sweet. Uh, she likes to smile. Um, so we were just kind of waiting yeah. and they just said, keep trying and we'll see where we're at in a month. So lots of appointments. Again, 
I talked about like the guilt, the guilt of being away from Finn. Yeah. The guilt of being away from work. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like, and then, you know, all the unknowns. There was just, we're kind of like, what's going on? Um, So we get called back in and the doctor starts off with being like, all right, Natasha, everything looks great. And like, we're really, um, you know, you've got good egg storage. You've got good this, you've got good that. And Kyle and I are like, woohoo, like, this is awesome. Like, we'll just keep trying. And the doctor's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, your stuff looks great. Um, but we got to talk about Kyle. And so that was kind of like a bit of a shock because I don't think either one of us had mentally prepared for it to be a male factor issue. Mm-hmm. I think we had thought it was going to be, if anything, probably me. Like, maybe something had happened in labor or something had shifted mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because we had had Finn. Um, there was then that like, okay, well, what does this, what does male factor in fertility mean? And, yeah. um, what's that, um, what's that, what does that mean for us going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor said that, um, as far as like sperm count and everything goes, um, that, um, we, there's three things that I guess they look for in sperm, which is, um, motility, uh, morphology, and like your your count essentially. Yeah. Um, so they said that um, the count was extremely low, and then as far as like the survival of sperm, there was zero that had survived the analysis. So that's I mentioned earlier when um, they said, "Well, have you thought about a sperm donor?" Yeah. And so they're like, "What?" It's a little shocking. We just yeah. went from you know having a baby um, to then like, okay, well. Yeah, no, you're, you, like, yeah. we're, we got to look at other options here. Um, so that's where um, we're like, whoa, 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 let's take a step back. Let's look at, like, what our, what our options are before we start going down, like, a, a road that, you know, we didn't even really want to entertain that conversation at all yet. Right. We wanted to figure out what, why this was happening. Yeah, the why? Issue yeah. Um, so uh, we're pretty lucky in a sense where... Um, Kyle's cousin, as I mentioned, is a radiologist. So we get into the car. I'm bawling at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're never going to have another child. Um, you know, and then again, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a woman thing or if it's, I don't know. But right away, I'm like, uh, it was like all the things I, I'm not going to be able to make a sibling for Finn. I can't give my, like, Kyle's like, I don't understand. Like, this is an issue with me. And here you are, here you are being like, like, like what why can't I do this why can pardon I pardon yourself yeah and I think that's right. it was again like what we had talked about where it came down to like it was like something I couldn't work hard at to like to achieve right because in your life you've been able to achieve things quickly right when it whether it's um, like you were talking about running you wanted to run the Boston so you ran the Boston or you know even with your career houses you know relationships getting married having your first child all of these things that you've had set as goals Mm-hmm. They've been easily acquired, and now all of a sudden it's you know it's like such a barrier. Yeah, I'm like I can't like what do you mean like we we can't try harder at this. Yeah, and it's just not gonna exactly. happen. Um, so there was just a lot of confusion and shock and like just sadness leaving the clinic that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were fortunate enough to be able to call Kyle's cousin, who said, "You need to meet with the urologist. You need to um, we need to do um, an ultrasound." To get an idea, a better picture of like what's going on. Yeah. 
Um, so we got all that stuff set up right away. And um, his cousin had said, like, guaranteed 80 to 90% of secondary infertility is usually a varicosal vein that's enlarged that is heating the sperm and killing it. Um, she's like, it's very common in athletic men. It's very common in, um, they don't have a, any like research or correlation exactly into if it's has something to do with biking. Um, they, like there isn't enough research in it, but, um, as Kyle had been like a bike officer on bicycles for the last, um, that was one of the one things that changed from when we had Finn to mm, okay. trying to conceive, um, with Charlie, um, was that, um, he had become gone onto the bikes, which we're like, okay, well maybe this could be a factor and there's, we don't know for sure that that is, but pretty much athletic men, it's very common. Um, and I think the statistic is one in six, um, one in six couples experience secondary infertility, which is like a huge stat. Um, but again, like it's not overly talked about. So we're like, who do we know that's experienced this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is just crazy. Um, And, uh, so yeah, we kind of set out our plan and tried to figure out where to go from, like from the clinic that night. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you were talking about timelines for limits. And I mean, when you talk about timelines for limits, like those are big chats to have with your spouse as to like, how, how far are you going to go with this? That was, so that drive home was probably one of the hardest conversations, um, because we had to, so first we had to tackle the whole sperm donor topic that had come up. Because mm-hmm. we don't know what the problem is at this point. We didn't know that it was, <laughs> oh, good job, Charlie. We didn't know that it was a varicosal vein. It's right. just, we knew okay. that 80 to 90% of secondary fertility usually was. Okay. But we could have had unexplained. We could have had, there were so many things that it could have been. Right. Um, so we didn't know what kind of answers we were going to be getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to have that conversation. Like, of course we had to figure out and, um, we had Finn, mm-hmm. um, which now we're like, was he a miracle baby? Was he, um, you know, was the issue not there before? Like what, how did we have this yeah. beautiful little boy? Yeah. And now like, what do you mean? There's, we don't even have like there's no sperm. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so we had to have that conversation and we kind of decided on that car ride, like if for whatever reason they're like, yes, we plan on our family being bigger. Um, uh, we planned on having a sibling for Finn. Um, but if, if we, if we can't get pregnant, we were not going to go down the sperm donor route. Like we had always, mm-hmm. we, we had hoped to do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were kind of just like, we'll count our blessings for Finn and, and have to, I mean, you have, we had to have really heavy conversations and we had to have them pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think you grieve through the process of IVF Mm -hmm. and, um, I had to kind of, I was starting to grieve a child that didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. Like right off the bat, like I was just so like, we're not going to get pregnant again Mm -hmm. and just dealing with all those emotions and just feeling like as if I'd lost Charlie. Like, it was, like, as if I'd lost this child that yeah. didn't, like, I she wasn't even tangible yet, but I feel like I was, like, already losing her just mm-hmm. by, like, these conversations that we were having. Yeah. Um, which was heavy for Kyle and heavy for, for me. Like, I just remember, like, 
that car ride being like <laughs> just like bes bes beside myself mm -hmm. yeah you would have been and like so out of our control yeah um so it was like it was just a tough <laughs> it was a tough pill to swallow charlie yeah uh, especially when you see her now right yeah because like Hi. the 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 like yeah i had so much love for you her. have so much love I, to give everybody and yeah, everything I, had, so. I just and yeah i kept thinking about how amazing finn was yes and how just all the things that he was going to be to the world and mm -hmm. thinking that like um <laughs> just feeling so sad that um he might not get to have a sibling and that again like i might not be able to give kyle and again it was like a lot of things were so internally on me yeah and here i am with this like powerhouse spouse that's like like you are like you are everything to all of us and you are this is not about you and like who was just giving me like everything i needed and still i was so internally like struggling yeah. with this <laughs> what what do you keep hitting over there charlie <laughs> same button um so yeah it was just a lot and then so we had that conversation and then in that same conversation we were like um kyle like was just like okay like we're gonna schedule the urologist we're gonna call the office of the urologist until they give us an appointment or a cancellation appointment we will go any day that is humanly possible. They will, if they call us and they have a cancellation, we will go tomorrow. We will go on a weekend. We'll, we'll go whenever. We will figure this out. Um, so we were really lucky. We got a cancellation appointment at the radiologist. We got into the radiologist um, and we were able to find out that it was a varicosal mm -hmm. um, vein that was enlarged and that was heating the sperm. Um, we then got a cancellation with the urologist, yep. which was Again, like, I'm sure we probably sounded ridiculous because we're calling these places being like, we will take any appointment humanly available, like any appointment humanly possible, just get us in and we will show up and it will make it work. Um, so we got him to meet this urologist and um, he like showed us the ultrasound. Oh, wow. That's a big voice you have. Um, and he, yeah, he showed us like this is, and he was like, this is what's happening. It's heating the sperm. Your son, he said it was your son could be a miracle. Your son could be, um, your, you might not have had the problem before. We don't know, but mm -hmm. we are going to do a procedure if you're willing that can cauterize. Yes. Not put in a stint, which no. I always say, but cauterize <laughs> the vein and reroot it, um, which will hopefully replenish, um, some of the sperm mm -hmm. and give us an opportunity to have a second child. Mm -hmm. So, um, we were like all about it like everything that means that we so we had gone on the ivf list right away as soon as we knew that we had an issue you go right on that ivf list the so we'd gone through like the funded list and so in ontario we do have one um uh funded ivf round right um the list is long and um people come off the list because they get naturally pregnant or they don't want to wait so they want to pay for it themselves right um but the the list itself is lengthy and is time consuming like you're you can be on that list for a long time um every clinic is allocated a certain amount of funding so some clinics you can be waiting three years some clinics you can be waiting 
six months. Like it really just depends on which clinic you're at and how much funding they have and how many people they have mm -hmm. waiting for IVF. So we went on that list right away. Um, we get told that <laughs> we get told that the surgery is going to be um, scheduled for like three months down the road. Yeah. So now it's just like more, more waiting, and also like now you're kind of getting like, um, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? And I'm starting to do like research into everything to see the statistics. So I'm reading the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, like, yes, this surgery worked for me. No, the surgery didn't work. Um, it has a terrible success rate. It's very successful. Like Google has everything. Mm -hmm. um, Google's like the worst thing ever for these mm -hmm. sorts of things sometimes. Sure. But in my journeys there, that's where I found my friend in Australia who mm -hmm. had been through the same um, experience, who had had her first, um, her first child and then um, struggled trying and then found out that they were dealing with secondary infertility. Um, she's lovely. I reached out to her and we automatically began like this beautiful friendship where we discussed all these things. And she talked to me about her husband, her husband also having male factor infertility. And she shared her story, which she's very open about. It's called um, on Instagram, a uh, mother's open book. Um, and so she shared her whole thing with me. And then through her openness, I found I became more open mm -hmm. um, about the journey. And, um, and then, so again, I've talked about being excited and also terrified. Yeah, so the excited. Wave of, wave of emotions. Yeah, for the potential that I, this is going to work and then terrified that it wasn't going to work. And yeah. so was feeling a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So we had that surgery scheduled for, I believe it was end of February. Um, and uh, it's like just a day procedure. Kyle went in, did it. They cauterized the, the vein, rerouted it. And then you have to wait another three months. So everything takes time yeah. and you're just waiting. And mm -hmm. through this, we're still trying yeah. and hoping for this like miracle. Yeah. You know, you hear people who say like, you know, we had IVF scheduled and then we got pregnant like the month before. Mm -hmm. So we were like praying for that miracle yeah. that that was going to be our story. Yeah. Um, not quite the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the surgery um, takes place. Um and we wait the three months and then we have to do another sperm analysis. Uh -huh. um, that sperm analysis, um, we found out that the count had in fact gone up. Um, Kyle's better with the numbers than I am, um, but the, it had gone up enough that we had um, sperm to use for IVF, mm -hmm. um, which was really like what we needed. Mm -hmm. um, so, with the funding, when you get that phone call saying that it's your time for IVF, yeah, you, because with the count going up, they said, you know, you can try naturally again um, and see what happens, um, but also realize that if you say no to your round of IVF, mm -hmm. so we waited the three months, now we're in like May, we got news that the count had gone up. They said to us, if you say no to this IVF in June, then you're going back to the bottom of the wait list. We'd already been waiting for, we'd been on that list for over a year. Mm -hmm. So we're like, uh, uh, we're not saying no to, to this. We're going to have to jump on this opportunity and, and, and do IBF, um, which was, <laughs> which was very obviously invasive for me considering I had no, I had no issues, mm -hmm. um, which was, um, 
that was also difficult then being told you're going to be on lots of medication you're going to be doing injections um stomach injections mm-hmm. um we had to do like the inject like the 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 butt injections <laughs> so like all these injections with pretty large needles um so that was something we both had to like mentally like sign sign on to mm-hmm. which is a big reason why we took that trip just the two of us to just yeah. get some time uh, like you know concentrate on just us and enjoy a vacation and then mm-hmm. we came back and it was like wham bam uh ivf egg retrieval everything just here we go you know mm-hmm. and so, having to make a, a big decision like that in such a short period of time would be super stressful yeah it was stressful because like some of you know we're both like well do we just try for a bit and see what happens but it's like going back to the bottom of that wait list just wasn't hey wasn't, all good how are you <laughs> He had a good nap. Yeah. Kyle's here. Kyle's in the house. Yeah. yeah. Come down for a quick hello. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So we decided that that's what we were going to do. We were going to go forward with the IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do the egg retrieval. And um, that's a stressful process too because you're waiting to hear what. So they take your eggs. Yeah. And then they're taking the sperm. And then they're making an embryo and they grade your embryos and they really want to take it most embryos to a five-day blastocyst which means it's got a very good success rate for a transfer (laughs) but at that point um we thought we were going to be doing a fresh transfer um but i ended up having um ohss ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome okay which is where my my ovaries essentially was so stimulated that they couldn't do the transfer because wow. it would have made me terribly, I was terribly sick after the uh, egg retrieval due to this OHSS. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they couldn't do a fresh transfer. Mm-hmm. So now we're like waiting another month to do a frozen transfer. Wow. Um, but we were very fortunate in the sense that we ended up having, I don't think we ended up with, we had, they ended up retrieving like a, I want to say it was like, 15 eggs, let's say, um, and they were able to get three embryos uh-huh. that made it to a five-day blastocyst, okay. which is really good. Uh, we had Charlie was like, Charlie was the best grade. Um, she got the best grades, and so she was our, the, the embryo that the, uh, the, the fertility doctor chose. Um, and they said like, well, but we'll have to do a, a frozen transfer. Um, so actually, they told me that we weren't doing the fresh transfer the day of my egg retrieval, and that was difficult too because I was like coming down off of the drugs they put you on for right. your egg retrieval. Yeah. And um, then they dropped this bomb on you that you're not doing a fresh transfer that week, so mm-hmm. now you're like delayed another month. Can you pause there for a second for listeners that aren't aware of how an egg retrieval takes place? Can you just elaborate on that a bit? So they're going with a big needle mm-hmm. into your ovaries yeah and but it's it's like from your no they're going inside or they're inside? going they're going in, inside your vagina yeah they're going in up and in yeah and they're using a like it's a it's huge kyle saw the needle i wouldn't even look at it but yeah, yeah it's a massive 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 sorry speaking of kyle finn does he need to get picked up nope okay <laughs> um so yeah it's a massive needle yeah and they go into your ovaries and mm-hmm. they take out your eggs um it's it's not pleasant no. it's not like it's not 
not terrible, but it's not pleasant. Um, I mean, some and every woman's different, and everyone has a different experience with egg retrieval. Mm-hmm. Some are not are terrible, mm-hmm. and some are like, oh, it wasn't so bad. So um, it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they do to get your eggs, and then they have to. T- so that's what like Kyle like oh. always. He's always like so crazy because the male's contribution is, you know, sperm and sperm sample in a cup. Mm-hmm. And then when, when we go through, they jack up your body with all these hormones to make, mm-hmm. like to have extra eggs released yeah. and to get like the best quality eggs. So you're on all this medication mm-hmm. um, and then you go through egg retrieval and then you have to be inseminated. Yeah. Um, whether it's fresh or frozen or whatever, you're going to be inseminated, which is again another procedure. So it's it's quite a process, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. It is definitely not um, the good old fashioned way of getting pregnant. Um, you know, there's not. It's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's tough. Um, so yeah, that takes us to like June, July, and then that's when. You have a lot to say right now, Charlie. Yeah. Say this is my birth story. It's very interesting. It is pretty cool because we actually have a picture of like the exact moment where, um, like we know that like the embryo was implanted. So like mm-hmm. the moment we were pregnant with Charlie. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. That's very cool. Um, and we got to like see her on like a little monitor where it's like, oh, that's where the embryo was implanted, and that's your baby. Um, so neat. But you don't know if your body is going to accept that or accept that transfer and that embryo or not. And so she was your first. She was our first transfer. Um, and we, I ended up having, um, they told us that I had a low level of, they were concerned because I had had a uterine hemorrhage when we did um, the transfer. It was a, a probably a, six weeks after. So we'd had a positive pregnancy test, but then I had an immense amount of bleeding um and going to the hospital we determined that it was at the hospital they're like yeah you we got there overnight um there was nobody in to do an ultrasound so they said we'll have to come back the next day so we're like a day and a half i had no idea if i was having a miscarriage or that would be awful it was terrible yeah it was literally the worst thing ever because obviously at our close friends and family, everyone, like, you know, you're called my, you calling your mom, everybody to like tell them where it worked, it was successful. Um, I feel like some people were following along with us because we'd been open with our post. And then I'm like, I'm losing the baby. And Kyle was away at a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Chicago. So I was like home alone. And then this terrible, like I'm bleeding and I'm like, oh no, I'm losing the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was another whole heavy piece. And then I go to the hospital and they're like, um, we can't tell you anything until the next, like, till we can do an ultrasound, just go home and rest. Um, so I went home and then I like rest. What do you, like, how do you rest when you don't know? Mm-mm. Um, you can't. Yeah. So then we get called back in. Um, I didn't really want to tell Kyle because he was, he was at, uh, as I said, a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really want to call him in Chicago and say I could be having a miscarriage or right. or this could be, it could just be bleeding. But it mm-hmm. was like, I didn't, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I decided to just wait and until f- I knew what was going on. Wow. And so the next day um, we go in, do, I do an ultrasound and um, 
Okay, I had my parents were in England visiting family. So who were you with? Who was taking you around to these? Um, Kyle's sisters, um, and um, like my and my best friend Nicole and Danielle live yeah. here. Holy. Um, and then I didn't want to tell Jade because he was gone to Luke's bachelor party, and right. I knew that would be really heavy for her yes. to like keep that from Luke. Yeah. Um, so there was just like I'm like I just kind of need to really just deal with this a lot on my own until I can get a hold of Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and like explain this to him um, but I wanted to have answers I didn't want to just call him and say I'm bleeding and I don't know why or right. what's going on or I don't right. know if I've had a miscarriage because yeah he would have wanted to what did he do? dad's here happened? daddy gotta go to work hey, bye. Sweet no no worries love you bye. it was good to see you good to see you too take care Big big kudos to uh, Kyle here for being a massive teammate in all of this. Hey, I, I had the small part to play. She the small the, part. She had the tough part to go through there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have you on the podcast at some point too. Sounds good. Okay, have ya. a good shift. See you, buddy. Okay. Love See you. Man. Bye. Um. Yeah. So, it's just a lot to take on by yourself when you're thinking about, and the person that you want with you the most, is and that want to tell exactly is physically. Away and then like having like my mom, my yeah. other like huge support yeah. away. I know. And so I was like, I'm like, why is this happening right yeah. now? Um, and then yeah, so the doctor came in and he's like, oh, did the um, did like the ultrasound tech like did they tell you like like the baby looks good? And I'm like bawling and I'm oh like, oh my gosh, I'm like, there's still a baby. And oh, like, and I'm like, I've been through so much, and he's just like. This doctor is like, I pro- don't usually like, it, it's not etiquette to hug like all the time, but like, can I just give you a hug? Like it's, your, your baby's perfect. Everything's fine. Like blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like, I was just like, oh my gosh, like what, a what relief. is, what a relief. Like this yes. is like, this is just crazy. Um, and so, yeah, so that was six weeks. Um, so yeah, like it's been, been a, it's been a crazy journey. Um, and then I told you I ended up with HG. Yeah. Um, where I just like threw up for nine months straight oh. pretty much. Um, so the whole, the journey to Charlie has been, um, it's been quite the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is just perfection. So she's so special. She's a very special little girl. We're so lucky. Can you elaborate a little bit on the, the spectrum of emotions or the wave of emotions that you experienced during the procedure? Uh, you know, even leading up towards Jade's wedding and that those internal conversations or the internal talk that you were experiencing during, you know, these procedures and all the hormones and injections and stuff. Oh, I sure can. Um, yeah, so I think that, um, oh, well, I think that you're, you're, you're constantly like trying to, to be like, this could happen for us and this could be amazing and we could end up having another baby mm-hmm. um and then there's part of you that's like this also could not work and you kind of start to look at events and things that are like coming up in your life being like I could attend this event and I could be pregnant I also could attend this event and I could not be pregnant but then part of you is like like you, you start to already plan on being pregnant Mm-hmm. Like you kind of start to be like, but like I could be pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that means that I'm going to be like at this wedding. Like I'm looking at, like, I'm like thinking like, you know, my best friend's wedding. I'm looking at it being like, wow, I could be there and I could be pregnant. Um, 
but like if I'm not pregnant, like it's not this event isn't about you. So like just like that might might be a like you might have you might just find out that you're not pregnant. So like, but that doesn't matter. You have to show up and you have to like just you got to be like the best maid of honor and be like there for your best friend and like push some of the stuff you're going through aside because it's about it's about like them. It's about mm-hmm. it's their day and I just have to like no matter what's going on and with me right now I have to be just like super like present and there for like the person that I love so much that I want to be like there to help and do Mm -hmm. all these things but it's like you're also then like being like I like could find out at that point like if I had a like not but like if you know if the IVF didn't work like I we would have just found out that it was an unsuccessful transfer and like we would have moved back to square one and we would have had to have come to terms with the fact that our next round is not funded we're going to be paying for another round we're going to be going through this all over again um we only have two embryos left if those embryos don't work then we're going to be um going through egg retrieval again so that's where kyle and i had to have that conversation um what's our limit mm-hmm. um and like family planning wise if this doesn't work after these transfers um where 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 is our like where is our line in the sand um and like and draw that line and mm-hmm. be on the same page and we were on the same page. We both felt that we were we were given these three embryos. Um, that's what that's was our limit. If they if it didn't work, we were willing to pay for two more rounds. Um, if the first um, funded round didn't work, but then after the third round, that's where we would have that would have been our line in the sand. Now, that's coming from a perspective of we didn't get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good conversation to have, but I think that reality sets in and like that longing for that child wouldn't have been gone. Right. So it would have been, it's one thing saying that that was our line in the sand. It's another thing when we actually got there, if that would have been our line in the sand. Right. Absolutely. Like I, I, and through the number of people that like we've talked to through our experience, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have very good intentions. Like they talk about it and they're like, yeah, we're you know, we, yeah, we're on the same page. We're going to, this is where we're at. This is like what we're willing to put in. This is the amount of money we're willing to put in because we'll, you know, we'll pay what we have to pay to like have this baby. But then you can go either way. Like once you spend all that money, you're kind of like, okay, well maybe like this is where our line in the sand is. And then it goes another way where it's like, no, no, no. I, I envisioned this child and like, I have, I have a whole life plan for this kid that we're going to have. So if I have to go through egg retrieval 20 times then I'm going to go through it until Mm -hmm. I have this baby so it's really hard to say well that even takes you back to you know how really even after you are officially pregnant and things are going okay you're now so sick with HG and the pregnancy itself was so tough yeah so you can elaborate definitely elaborate on that because that to me is it was so profound to hear you say that as sick as you were you know, as many hospital visits as you had to have, you were like, no, I would go through this over again. No questions asked because. So HG, um, became, um, I don't want to say discussed more widely because Amy Schumer, um, recently went through it. Yes. Um, as well as, um, Kate Middleton. So some fame, famous people have gone through HG um, and it literally sucks the entire life out of you. Um, it, you don't just 
have morning sickness. You throw up constantly all the time. Um, you are like unable to function. You are so so ill. Yeah. Uh, I think I lost between ten to fifteen pounds in my first trimester. Um, I was hospitalized more times than I can count on my hands. Um, given um, fluid through IV. Um, to a point where like the hospital staff are starting to know you like it's a bit intense when Mm -hmm. you're going that often and then Mm -hmm. um, you're also you know having to have people watch your kid so that you can be there and like Kyle's having like your Kyle's having to miss work I'm having to miss work Um, like you're just so ill Um, and then again that guilt of being like I'm missing time with my son because I'm so sick and I'm missing time with friends because I'm so sick and like I've had, I, you know, you have friends, all friends message me being like, Hey, like, are you still like alive? And you're like, barely, like you want, like you barely are. Like you're just so, so, so ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just constantly throw up and it's, yeah, it was, it was, that was very difficult, but like, I don't know how many times, like, even while I was throwing up, I'd be like, Oh my God, this is the worst. And then I'd be like, but to, like I, I knew she was a girl right away like I knew at I think we found out at nine weeks because we did um we did uh, then like testing to mm-hmm. find out like what what she was like what sex she was um if there were any other issues with um with the baby like they we did the nine week testing mm-hmm. so we knew right away she was a girl and I remember like telling Kyle like I am like she's my girl like I don't even like I don't care how sick I am. I don't like. I will be the sickest. Like I don't care what happens. Like yeah. this. Like and I mean, that's not like HD is so terrible that like I'm to anyone that has ever had HD, it's totally fine to have thoughts of being like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Like I cannot believe that I'm like that I'm going through this. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, we fought so hard to have her that mm-hmm. I was like there you are meant to be in this world and like I am totally um I'll go through this 10 times over to like to have you and to 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 be your mom like I'm I'm all in like so even at like the worst of times like Mm -hmm. I don't know I just kept thinking that she was gonna she was gonna be like just she's gonna be the best and she's oh hello there she is hello hi you gonna come sit with us? She's so smiley, eh? Yes, she's a very smiley baby. Yeah, I think that that it's just it's really powerful to hear someone say that. And I've I've never been pregnant. I've never had to go through any of this. But I feel like to say to hear someone say that they would go through the most excruciating times or excruciating pains in their life over and over and over and over again endlessly. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people that wouldn't. But to, just to hear you say that and now to see your daughter sitting on your lap, it, it, hey, it's smiling at me like none other. This is insane. Hi. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear you say that. Yeah. It, it, like, I think, I think too, from Kyla's perspective, yeah. it was super difficult. Exactly. I was just going to ask about that because what was, what was he experiencing? Obviously yours were such, you know, physical, mental, emotional symptoms, but what was he and also, like, I'm already, like, I'm already attached to her because she's growing in my tummy. And um, so he's just seeing me, like, essentially just throwing up all the time. Yeah. Um, losing weight. Um, like, I'm pale. I'm, 
just so sick. I'm in and out of the hospital. So he's literally like, I'm just watching my wife. Like, it almost looks like you're, you're just like dying. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm just watching her slowly, like, just get sicker and sicker and sicker. And um, he's like, it broke my heart. Like, it broke me to watch you that sick. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, it's so hard to see the person you love that sick. Yeah. And to literally be of, like, not, there's not a thing I could do for you. Like, couldn't, like, no. you know, and Kyle's like, it's so funny because people will be like, oh, put, you should, you should tell her to put crackers on her bedside or like try ginger tea. And Kyle's like, people don't, didn't understand. Like, no. HG is like not common enough for people to understand it. Like, I think it's like one or 2% of women, pregnant women experience it. So he's like, people didn't, like, it's hard to explain. Like, no, 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 she's like really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, that was, it was just, that was just difficult because it's like we fought so hard for her and then I was so sick. Um, so yeah, we just kind of like, we took it day by day and it was like, just get through, get to the end of the pregnancy. And like, um, I think, I don't know, like if HG caused some of the preterm labor issues, but that was another whole piece because I was so sick, was so sick. And then there was the preterm labor stuff. I, um, I had preterm labor with Finn at 20, seven weeks and then with her it was like at 20 weeks Mm -hmm. so that's a long time to like be like I gotta continue to bake this baby um so being on bed rest and being like told like no physical activity no um so that was hard too I think for Kyle um to look at all the things that I enjoyed doing and being told you can't like you shouldn't be running you shouldn't be being too active you like Kyle's like it's like all the things that make you you and that you love to do and being told like you can't, you do, can't do those things. Yeah. Um, he's like, that's hard too because seeing the person you love not being able to enjoy and do the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, it's heavy. It's a, it was a lot for it's a lot for both of us. It's a lot of me going through it. But as I said, like she was in my tummy growing away. Um, so I was I felt there was so much connection to her mm-hmm. right away. Um, and I think for Kyle, like. He's like, obviously, I love her, um, but it's so hard because she's taking all your goods. <laughs> she's yeah. making you so sick, and yeah. he's like, you know, he's like, I like, yeah. That's why when you were like, oh, like, have you thought, like, what's your family plan? It's like, you know, what are we gonna do with those other two embryos? And um, I think Kyle looks at it as like, I don't know if I could watch you ever be pregnant again. Like it was that was so terrible for me to like not that he's like not so terrible for me because he always jokes he's like I had the easy the easy bit mm-hmm. but he's like it was so hard to see you so sick like mm-hmm. it's hard to see anyone you love sick mm-hmm. um but yeah that was that was tough and it was tough for both of us because I like to be hands-on and I like to be doing all the things with Finn and like I like yeah. to be out running and going on hikes with the, like with like with the boys and doing all the stuff and then it was like you know you need to be in bed yeah <laughs> relaxing He's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. In that time, so obviously Kyle was, you know, your eternal optimist and he was the best support he could be through all of this. Can you speak to the importance of communicating or a support system when you're going through something like this? Yeah, so I, I mean, I genuinely believe that I'm like the luckiest person ever yeah. because... Um, Kyle is like, I, uh, I don't know anybody like Kyle. Um, and like, I can't speak any, like anymore to like the, the man that Kyle is. He's just like, 
he's just the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like always just so optimistic and so like this is going to work for us. This is going to be like we're and if it doesn't, then then we we've got each other and we've got Finn and it's gonna what however this works out like it's he's just like everything's gonna be the way it should be like don't like we're gonna get through this um so he is like phenomenal and I'm like I'm still in awe of of him (laughs) he's just Mm -hmm. like he's like he's just amazing um so that and I mean I'm so lucky to to have had that because Mm um emotionally is like one it's the most taxing thing like that I've ever been through like it emotionally was just like it's like the like you feel like as a woman like I I'm just we're supposed to get pregnant and have babies Mm -hmm. like I'm supposed to be doing this and when it wasn't working for us like you become so heavy on yourself and you Mm -hmm. it becomes so you're like why like why is this happening to us yeah and I think I said that to Kyle so many times I'm like you know we can be a good home for like you know we're good parents like why why are we experiencing this and Kyle would be like, we like, you know, because we, we, we can handle this and we're going to get through it. And it's like, we're going to come out the other end of this, like whatever way it is, like it's going to, it's going to be what it is. And it's yeah. going to be, we, we are so fortunate we have each other. And I think that, um, I think I've talked about like the dumping of like all your emotions and stuff kind of on your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there are times where like, um, and again, because it is such a private and personal thing, I feel like a lot of people like don't have, like it's not something they want to discuss with other people. It's just like they're going through so much that they just talk to their spouse about it and they don't talk to friends or to family or to other people. And then it can kind of create like a very toxic environment because you're just like dumping so much onto your partner. Just like they're seeing like, they're getting so much of all your raw emotion and it's a lot mm-hmm. and if you're not outletting that anywhere else it can just become this like very negative um, dialogue where you're just like this isn't going to work for us this is like this is such a terror like such a hard why is this happening when you're just like so you have that like dialogue that just continues to mm-hmm. be negative mm-hmm. if you're not like outsourcing and talking to other people I feel like it can get that can get tricky too mm-hmm. um for both part like for both you or your husband, like, I feel like you really do, not everyone needs to share as openly as Kyle and I did, and that's not everybody's story, and that's totally fine, um, but I do feel like you need to be, like, taking that support from your husband, but then also having conversations with other people, like, with Mm -hmm. your friends, with your, with your mom, with your dad, with, with whoever you need to have conversations with, um, to just not be putting that all onto one person. Cause yeah. like, that's a heavy load to carry. Totally like that's is. a big, that's a, that's a lot. And it's, you know, when you want something so badly, um, and you're, as I said, like your emotions are, and you're on like a ton of hormones before you do your egg retrieval and stuff. Like if you're just unloading that all on one person, mm-hmm. like yikes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're very open. Like you said, you and Kyle both are so open about this and you've expressed, you know, how happy you are to share your story. If there's someone who is going through, you know, something similar, what would your suggestions be to them besides, you know, you've, the emphasis on communication, I think is massive. Um, Communicating with someone other than your spouse. 
But I guess, um, uh, well, I guess you reached out because you reached out because you thought that you didn't know anyone with secondary infertility. So what would your suggestions be for reaching out to surround yourself with a community maybe that can share knowledge with you? Yeah, so I think that um, for for us, when we were like, I had to like go onto Google and yeah. be like secondary infertility, like what is this? And like yeah. look it up and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think that, again, as I said, not everybody needs to share their entire journey with people. Mm-hmm. Like that can be private. But if like you are going through something, like I, I've talked to so many people who either experience something similar to this or are going through it currently who are like living this right now mm-hmm. and that conversation stays between me and them and that conversation that I'm having with them is as much or as little as they want to share with me yeah. and I'm like happy to talk about what we've been through mm-hmm. um, because we've been through a lot and I, I'm always like open to those conversations but I think it's just really important to like to be to, to know like there are people that are like willing to share and discuss Mm -hmm. what they've been through. And that's the same as like with even that's the same with, that's a piece to do with infertility, but that's a piece also to do with like HG and like, you know, if you've been through something that's like really sucks, like, you know, it's just like, it's like reach out to people and discuss it and talk about it. And like, um, you know, it's like, I I think I've used the word heavy more times than I care to admit in this conversation Mm -hmm. because it is heavy. Um, but like, you know, if that's, if, if it's, if you're going through something that is a lot, then also feel free to go talk to like somebody, like go yes. talk to a therapist, yes. go talk to somebody who might need, maybe just like is a completely impartial third party party that you can just unload on. Like mm-hmm. it's like, because if you're just unloading on yeah. like everyone, and then also it becomes a piece too, where it's like, not everybody around you always wants to like, to t- like, to be talking about your infertility and like, you know, you're like, and I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. Like you're going to like events and you're doing things where like, it's like not everything needs to be like that, the negative piece of like what you're going through. And so sometimes it's just like nice to talk to someone who is anybody else mm-hmm. who can listen to like what you're experiencing. And it's not like unloading on all the people that are close to you. Right. Because it does, it does reach a point where people are like, be really nice to get together with Natasha and not talk about her infertility <laughs> and right. not like, I mean, not that anyone ever said that to me, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you there were times where, like, there had people, like, and the, everyone, like, they love you and they they would never say that to you. But, I mean, I'm sure there were there are times where it's, like, you are going through a lot right now, but, like, let's just have a good night and not talk mm-hmm. about that. Or let's not, right? So it's always good to have someone on the outside to look in and give you perspective on your current situation. Right. I really think that your Facebook post that you put out you know, allows for that, that perspective, you know, in, in both ways, in the outside perspective that is completely unrelated, but also opening the door and opening the conversation for people that are going through it, helping normalize that chat and that conversation so that you're approachable, not just as a runner, as a mom, as a wife, as a, um, you know, officer, all of these things that you can do, but now it's also opened the doors for people to approach you on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that relatability, I think, really, because you, you'd said earlier too about you didn't realize how many people would reach out by simply posting a photo and a paragraph about your story 
how many people actually came out of the woodwork and you know commended you on your bravery for sharing something like that or had questions to ask you or shared a personal story um which i think in itself is so so powerful and i would thank you uh, even though i've never been in this boat i don't see myself being in this boat but i mean um like thank you for your vulnerability with that because so many people so many listeners listening you know need someone in their corner and you're clearly that person i th- i think that um it's like when i had made wrote when i wrote up that post and put it out there it's like i'm not a blogger i'm not a like a like a, a person that has like a big following or so i think that's why it was like such a shock to me that i received mm-hmm. so much feedback from it mm-hmm. um and that i got you know had so many people say like yeah like and we're talking like people that you know had been parents 30 years ago who are like yeah like we went through that and like wow. we like you know IVF wasn't as common then or like uh, fertility clinics weren't like you know there weren't a bunch in like one mm-hmm. city like you had mm-hmm. to be traveling to go to these places and like so I think that when I got so much feedback it was like wow like here here I am I'm not anybody like I'm just me doing my thing and like I just wanted to share with our friends and our family what we've been going through and let them know that they're not alone if they're going through it too and yeah that we're Kyle and I are both open to talk and be there that's a huge component of it is just that's what they need yes and being there for someone or like I said you know again is normalizing that conversation so that people are feeling less alone more of you know if they feel like you said when you I don't know anyone who's gone through this or is going through this secondary infertility and you google it and you're matched up with someone in Australia that you've created this beautiful friendship with, but that simply by you sharing that, locals, you know, people that you know are all of a sudden going, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going through this. And, and then there's that community, that cohesive network of people that you can relate to, that, you know, you can communicate your highs and lows with in that judgment-free zone because you're experiencing very similar things. And I, th- I think, like, there's that's a huge piece, too, is, like, feeling alone and, like, isolated. And, like, you can't help but feel those things when mm-hmm. you're going through something mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's really hard to... And you can be surrounded with all the love, support, people in the world. Like, I have the best husband. And I still felt at times, like, alone or isolated just because you... It's like you just never anticipate yourself being in that situation. And then... Like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a, like, I'm usually like, I'm a pretty strong person. I'm I, like, I'm not overly emotional. I'm not this, I'm not that. And then all of a sudden you're like really emotional and like, cause it's something you want so badly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, and then you're, as I said, your, your life becomes filled with appointments and, um, you're going from this appointment to that appointment to, um, to work. And like, you know, I'm someone who like loves my job. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And to be like you know, at work, but, you know, then you're also thinking about what's going on at, like, I'm desperately trying to get pregnant, and, like, it's really hard for me to be at work today, because I'm just, I feel sad about it, and I feel, you know, it's, it's easy if you're not communicating with people to feel even more alone and isolated. You probably feel that anyway, because it's a tough situation, it's a tough scenario, but you're going to feel that even more if you're not communicating with, your people like not suppressing it yeah yeah absolutely. and I mean I've got some of like the best people and I still felt 
that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, I can't like stress anymore how important it is to like just communicate and like, um, again, like I'm, I'm not anybody special. I've just been through this and like kind of c- coming out the other end of it. And like, I can definitely say that like, mm-hmm. it's so, to me, it was like so, so, so important to just like, to feel connected and to feel supported and to, and I think I like mentioned, like you asked, like, how did you get through HG and like, how did you get through like all your, like going through fertility and stuff like that, like the treatment and the, and I said like, there's this awesome place in Guelph. It's called Robin's Nest. It's like this lady Robin runs it and she's like all about like mamas and all about babies. And she just like makes you feel like you go in for osteo, you get your acupuncture done, you get a massage, you do like these things that are like, Cause I couldn't work out. I couldn't do the things that I like typically do to feel, to deal with stress and to feel good. And so I used that as like a huge outlet too. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to go get a massage and I'm going to try to relax. And I'm going to go do some acupuncture because I've heard that that can help with infertility. And like, I mean, I know I wasn't necessarily, like, it wasn't, but I'm like, whatever can help prime my body yeah. to accept this, this transfer or whatever I can do, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to make my body like the best vessel it can be for for this like you know for this to work and be successful um so like that's stuff that I like did for like I tried to do as much like self things like for myself that I could and like in Guelph we're lucky that I have there's somewhere like that that like yeah deals with like that you know well I mean there are times I'd go in with Finn Mm -hmm. right because like I didn't want to be away from him any more than I had to be with like all these treatments yeah and doing all the stuff so Speaking, Speaking of the devil. Hey, Finny. Hi, baby. Who's this? Yay. Okay, well, we will wrap that up there then. Hey, Natasha, thank you. Hey, bud. No, no problem. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Safe Haven Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe, like, share these episodes, and comment as you follow along. Your generous support keeps the sharing and messages coming your way. You can find the Safe Haven Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Apple Podbean. And you can also follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven Podcast for the latest updates. Hi, Finn. I'll talk to you next week.